All right, hello, welcome to Artificially Intelligent, uh, where a black musician and a white comedian discuss all things in life, and uh, that's Barrett Antar Goodwin, the white comedian. Oh, wait, I've made a funny. That's <laughs> comedy. Uh, Barrett Antar Goodwin, I am Nathan Simmel, and we have a guest, Suzanne Lee Shepard. Say hi. Hi. Yeah. Suzanne is, um, how, how, this is, this is going to get messy, so I'm going to try and go slow. Suzanne does a podcast called The Love Gurus yeah. with Jake Vevra, who I do a podcast with called Idiots on Parade. And when Barrett and I started, we would call this, we, we, we put it out on that platform as sort of bonus podcasts. And then we realized that what he and I were doing was so different from what Jake and I were doing. We just call it our own thing. So that's the messy union going on here between all of us. We're like podcasts siblings something like that that's a good way of putting it which I means i don't know who would that who would be our daddy jake's definitely not our daddy so i hope not <laughs> i i get i get concerned or turned off whenever i hear step anything these days because of Pornhub, which <laughs> i talked about this with jake i thought that every website from amazon to facebook to even pornhub was supposed to have an algorithm when you clicked on something it would go oh that ip address likes this let's put more of that into the feed and i am here to say once again i have never ever ever clicked on the stepson and stepmother or anything involving step and yet anytime i log into pornhub it's the front screen every video i have to now search to find just normal, straightforward, like vanilla porn, which is all I'm interested in. Just like, oh, okay, I just want to see something to whatever for whatever psychosis I have. But it's all step siblings now, and it's I find it gross, <laughs> and it's everywhere. Well, I, I mean, who would have thought that Pornhub is really the only website trying to open your eyes to new things? <laughs> <laughs> Expand my horizons. They're trying to get you to keep clicking. They don't care if you're learning. So, wow. I mean, hats off. To you, Pornhub. Yes, maybe I am just looking at it the wrong way. I'm too closed-minded. I I'm keeping my blinders on, and they're saying, yeah. "No, no, this is good." Pornhub's for you. like, "Yo, you haven't even checked out this stepbrother, stepsister. Like, they're not, <laughs> you know, blood-related. It's fine, you know." So mm -hmm. yeah. And as Jake points out, whenever I complain about it, which apparently I do quite often, he goes, "Look, I bet they're not even related. They're just actors." So. <laughs> That was Jake's point. Yeah. But I, I like, Suzanne, I like what you just said. It could be being forced upon me because I'm not clicking it. So every time, like maybe if I had monitored it back in the day, there'd be like, I don't know, several rows of six boxes and three or four would have step. And then I didn't click on it. So I'm like new one next time. And then, and every time I click, they just keep adding, like, we're going to make you click fucker. Yeah. 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 It's like, you've gone through all of the rest of the porn and so all that's left it you know it's like it's like a pez dispenser it's like you know, you've only got the bottom half which is now step sister step brother step mom it's uh either either that or no pez for you that's how they look at it i think that was the original seinfeld episode no pez for you and then nbc stepped in and was like no we can't do a porn episode i just feel like i made myself sound a million years old by referencing a pez dispenser but whatever it's fine i was gonna ask what one of those was you do you know what it is no I'm oh, but that's kidding. a black thing oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, let 
me just do it. Let me just check the temperature oh. of the room. And does everyone know what that is? <laughs> I, I do think, though, that in your case, Nathan, maybe maybe Pornhub just knows you better than you think because they collect all the algorithms from everything else. Yeah. And they put it through a machine, and the machine says, that's what you like. So maybe they're right, and you should just yeah. give it a try. Exactly. Maybe it's looking at yeah. all the other websites you visit. <laughs> right. Like, Eh? Eh? All right. Well, I think we're learning something new about me tonight. (laughs) Well, let's that that aside, all that aside, let's jump in Um, because I'm a bad host and I'm assuming Barrett is as well. At the end of last week, I very specifically remember saying, "Ooh, ooh, we've already talked for an hour. Let's save that for next next week. Do you have any fucking clue what we were going to save for this week? No, but I could just run on the Facebook and watch the last five minutes of our <laughs> We, I remember we left off because we started and ended the same way, which is, and I'll, I'll give Suzanne an overview. I sort of sent her a message saying this was the, the uh, synopsis. Um, we're talking about damaging uh, negative thoughts and where we had ended up is we never talked about meditation. I think that's what it was. We hinted that we were going to talk about meditation. Mm-hmm. But we never got to it because we got sidetracked by the idea that most of my negative thoughts are about myself. Um, I wake up at 3 a.m. and then my brain just starts running. Uh, you're never going to get booked again. You're never going to make it. You're a failure. And that's it. I'm done. And I can't fall asleep. Whereas Barrett said last week, a lot of his negative thoughts came from, or were external, which is, um, oh, that asshole cut me off. Fuck him. He's a piece of shit. And we're both in our own ways trying to dial that back in. And we agreed that meditation was one way to do it. And then we never talked about that. So before we get into that, do you have, do you want to jump in right here? Do you have negative thoughts? I mean, do you have any at all or do you (laughs) self-defeat or do you project? Oh no, I'm actually pretty perfect so unclear why you know um well I, here uh, before I, I said i asked you to talk and then i just thought of something sorry to interrupt uh there there is a great uh, meme i saw at some point during the week it's older i've seen in the past i think it just said so are you funny or did you have a good childhood and <laughs> i thought that was pretty pretty yeah. dead on yeah. so anyway so please go ahead yeah you know i think uh you know i mean there's a stereotype of you know, comedians are, they're, they're compensating for something. They had to learn to be funny at some point, uh, you know, because they had a bad childhood or, or whatever. Um, so I definitely have negative thoughts. I think that it was coincidentally, like I actually did recently watch a, <laughs> a TED talk and it was talking about how, um, you know, there's like guilt and shame and shame is like, where you are like, oh, I'm not good enough. And guilt is like you're you feel guilty about something that you did externally to someone else. So it sounds like Antar is like, oh, like you know, well, I guess in this situation you're 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 not feeling guilty about that guy cutting you off, obviously. But it's but shame is more of like when you blame yourself. And I think I am more of a shame person. Yeah, where like I'll uh, oh you know like I'll go onto Facebook for example, and I'm like. <laughs> And then people are getting booked over me. And yeah. then it's like, but have you done anything to get booked? I'm like, fuck writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, going off that. Stuff, 
Going off what you just said, I would guess just off last week's conversation and the shift away from it, that Barrett, would you say your guilt, if you had any, would come after the negativity? You'd like, oh, fuck that guy. Wait a second. Why am I thinking about that person? I need to work on me. I need to change that. Because I think that's where we left off is he's probably doing a better job of, of, of not putting negativity out in the world. Whereas I'm still pretty stuck on feeding it back into myself. But would you think that's where the guilt came from? Would after you would have a negative thought toward another fellow human being or. Yeah. And I think for me, the, the projection of this stuff was generally I think for me, it comes from like ju being judgmental and it comes from be feeling like I'm being judged all the time, you know, like, and I don't feel that way now. I, I feel less that way now because I've been actually really conscious of it. But I think that I, for a long time, I felt a lot of pressure to be a certain way because I felt like I was being judged for it. And so then I think I externalized that by or internalized it by externalizing right like by then judging other people for the same stuff I felt I was judged for on a regular basis in a weird way right it's the same thing it's really just I flipped it inside and then outside if that makes sense you know um, what I mean so like an example would be and I'm saying that because I think I relate to what you're saying so for example if you if, if someone open a opens a door, okay, if you open a door for someone and that person doesn't say thank you, you're like, what a piece of shit. But if someone opens a, door, opens a door for you and you don't say thank you, it's like, well, who's really in a better position to open the door anyway? I don't really need to say thank you for that. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. I mean, I think that's actually one of, it was, it was, a, it was a driving thing that got me to kind of understand the kind of humanity of everybody because I think that something like that happened to me. Somebody cut me off and I got pissed off. And then just a few minutes later, I cut someone else off and I was making excuses why it was okay for me to do it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, right. Everybody does this and it's not actually personal. When someone does it to me, it's no more personal than when I do it to them. And I think that was part of what my issue was, was kind of taking things personally. And it, it, it's almost like, like taking things personally is almost like a very weird sense of arrogance, as if like perfect strangers give a shit about me enough to cut me off on purpose. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right? Like yeah. it's a weird kind of, of arrogance that is not based in like this feeling of being so great. It's almost based in the opposite. You know, it's very weird. It's a very weird thing, you know? So yeah going back to what suzanne said about the door holding analogy i never thought of this before but i know i've had the thought where i will absolutely go to hold a door for someone and it's because in my mind i'm going you're a piece of shit with a black evil soul you need to do this just because you know you're trying to balance the scale and at the flip side and I know I've been doing this for several years now. Someone holds the door for me. And as I approach, I'm like, oh, thank you. Completely unnecessary. Thank you. Like I, 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 I humble it down. 
And so I don't know if that well, I mean, you don't have to sound like a serial killer when someone opens the door for you. Oh, thank you. Completely <laughs> unnecessary. But it makes me so excited that you opened the door for me. Like, is that? Sorry. Wait, what is I thought I was. Did I just. <laughs> but I, I, I know that when I do it, it's because I feel I, I don't believe in karma. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, like, well, if it's real, I better do this just to try and chip away at everything I've done in my life. <laughs> yeah. Like there's that one, uh, when you're meditating, one thing you can say it or chant to yourself is the more I focus on the good, the more good will come to me. I don't, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but if I have a negative thought or, you know, thinking something, if I just say that one sentence, then that kind of alleviates whatever like anxiety or you know guilt I had about something um but I mean you you it almost sounds like Nathan like you have this yeah like this um like you graffitied something and you're yeah by you being kind to someone else you're like slowly scrubbing away at that graffiti could be like is that well, let's let's. Uh, it was a good segue to to meditation, which Barrett and I never got to. So, do you? Since you just brought it up, you, you said you use a chant. Do you meditate? I didn't ask you that in the message, so I don't even know. Is this anything you do regularly, or even sporadically, or when you remember to? Like, I think a lot of people go, "Oh, sure, I want to meditate and be healthy," and then every few months they're like, "Oh shit, I should meditate," and they sort of do it. And I mean, yeah, I would I would say I spor- I don't think I meditate every day, but I. I would say I probably meditate maybe like four times a week, but it's not like, it's not like I get out my crystals and like right. sit on a rug. It's more of like, I'll be trying to take a nap in my, <laughs> my head is spinning too much. So I need to meditate just to get to the point where I can take a nap. It's like, I know I'm tired, but my mind is like racing. I'm like, listen, I only have like 30 minutes to nap. So I need to like get this. So I'll just like kind of like meditate and then I'll like fall asleep from that. Um, But yeah, but I don't, uh, yeah. So like I said, so I I do that like, you know, maybe like three or four times a week, but um, it's not, but I'm not like one of, I wish I was that one of those people that every day sat down and meditated. I mean, my dad is who, you know, used used to be this like deer hunter from Kansas. Um, He meditates every day and he's like a completely different person so so now he lets bambi live because he meditates yeah he doesn't have the thirst for blood anymore which i don't know <laughs> there's a correlation but also i you know i'm a meat eater i don't know um but yeah he said it he said it changes his life changes his life Has well, to. i'm i'm a lot like you in that i only do it uh, when i wake up at 3 a.m once the thoughts start that's when i'm like all right I'm just going to focus on breathing. Yeah. And that is my meditation. I don't ever sit down. I mean, I can't, I have kids. Um, so, I mean, I suppose if they're in school, I could do, I just sit down and like, Oh, but that is when it works best for me is when I'm like, all right, I need to clear my mind. Uh, Barrett, what about you? Since we never got to it last week, do you find a regular time to set aside or do you do it at my wife does it at bedtime as like, that is her daily wind down is she, puts on headphones and she goes through a guided meditation, which mm. I personally can't stand because it starts the nice music, the relaxing music. And then, and this is where I admit I'm an evil person. Then some fuckhead starts talking to you. And I'm like, Oh, shut the fuck up. I'm like, now you are going to breathe. Shut the fuck up. Your voice is like ice picks in my earballs. So <laughs> I, I don't like guided, but 
Here's one thing as well that irritates me about guided meditation and just TV in general. Sorry, this is a little bit of an aside, but for whatever reason, people think that as long as it's a British accent, therefore that person is more intelligent and more knowing than, and I'm not, you know, I'm saying Americans are assholes. I'm not saying it has anything to do with nationality, but if you ever watch any sort of like baking show or like a historical show or something where you're like learning about it's like you they always have to have a british person it's like anyway so like so when it's like guided meditation and then it's like you know nigel you know i'm like take away credibility I'd, I'd rather listen to like a southern accent like why don't they do guided meditations with like more spanish or like french accent i mean that would be mo you know hello Welcome to the meditation. Like that is more relaxing. Okay, that's it. I'm sorry. I'm off my ramp. Actually, you did make me think of something since we're on the aside. It, that oh. I love Bill Burr's last special because of, and I'm going to get the line wrong. I'm paraphrasing. At one point, he made fun of Americans being fat and he said something along the lines, hey, I've been walking around England for two weeks. You fuckers ain't so skinny yourself. So <laughs> you elevate them with their accent, but they're just as dumb as we are. I mean, fuck, they still have kings and queens. That's pretty stupid. <laughs> so, but, so Barrett, your meditation, if you do it. So you. Um, I, I suppose recently I've been doing it a lot. I've been doing it more. So I would say three to five times a week, you know, I'll sit down for about a half an hour and really focus. I don't, I don't like the guided meditation because for me, meditation is really more about examining what goes on in my brain. It's like, it's, it's breathing and focusing on my breath, but it's watching which thoughts actually distract me, you know, cause I will get distracted all the time. Right. But it's which, which thoughts distract me. Are they negative? What are they about? And really like, what I found meditation does is it creates a space between the thoughts. You know, it creates like, it, instead of like a relentless stream of just like nonsense and self-defeating bullshit, what I end up getting is a stream of that and then a pause. And in that pause, I can think, hey, wait a minute, this isn't actually true, right? Like instead of, you know, because I, I don't know what goes on in everybody else's head. But I know in my head, it's just nonstop. It's like carpet bombing. You know what I mean? It's just like, if I go down that road, there is no Mary pause. Mary Poppins had an agenda. Like right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like there's fire up here. And none yeah, of it. Like, right. Like, there's no time. There's just reaction. It's just like, I feel like I'm putting out emotional and mental fires nonstop. And what meditation has done is allowed for me to take a breath in between putting out those fires in order to just do it. And I think my goal is to take that like split second and turn it into a second and then turn that into two seconds and then turn that into four seconds and then eight seconds until I, until there's just like a longer period of time in which there's just not a relentless onslaught of nonsense. That's what, that's, that's what I, I feel like that's the point of meditation for me. I don't, I can't speak for other people, but that's what I feel like the point is for me. Well, the British guy on the Netflix series <laughs> for meditation did say that that's the point and he's British. Oh, well, you well, believe him. Well, it must be right. <laughs> yeah. He, he did. 
He just oh, did say the exact same thing that it's it's more about not you know berating yourself if you can't just like completely it's more of like yeah like that that small little yeah window will eventually like you learn how to grow that um mm. I haven't but I mean but yeah <laughs> you, you kind of sound like you're meditating and <laughs> well, well I think that sounds like it could be uh, the way you just said I haven't and I know I haven't so that could be next level because right now I use it as a just try and shut everything down. And I, I like everything Barrett just said, and, and I want to emulate that. I, the idea of switching it from, okay, fucking everything off to, okay, let's, let's take a look at this bag of cats and, and see what's going on there <laughs> yeah. and really examine these stupid thoughts and yeah. see if, you know, because I know what they are. I know how evil they are and how self-defeating they are. Um, instead of trying to shut them off so I can sleep, maybe just I, I I like that and I think that's I think I'm gonna start heading down that path let's 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 allow the thoughts to happen because let, let let's find out why they are there and try and create space between them and shut them down as lies or at least um, acknowledge them as truths but uh, there can be a, a parallel truth to it yes you are an awful human piece of shit that's gonna fail but you know you you got a wife and kids and that's good you know like so I can have the, the <laughs> thoughts but, but offset them you're bringing up a question that i always have about meditation is that it you know it's like is the idea that you like what voice in your head do you use like are you using oh i thought that or are you thinking oh suzanne thought that like in like are you in third person like how what's the, what's the correct, the best way to do that? You know, is right. it like, oh, I did this. And because I know if you say things like, you know, let's say you want to be a ballerina, you write, I am a ballerina rather than like Suzanne becomes a ballerina. It's like, because that like internalizes that, like that goal. But if you're, you know, the opposite of like negative, like I'm a piece of shit. No, Suzanne's a piece of shit. Like where, or I don't know, or should I talk to someone about these voices I'm hearing? <laughs> well, there's a third one, I think. I think <laughs> saying, I'm a piece of shit, Suzanne's a piece of shit, or you're a piece of shit. Because the, the thought could either be like, you're a piece of yeah. shit, you're a failure, or I'm a piece of shit, I'm a failure. Like you can be external. Like, well, who is saying that to me? Whereas, you know, yeah. you know the, well, the personal. Barrett, go ahead, jump in. I mean, I don't want to sound like a, I don't want to sound like a millennial, right? But I think it's, I think it's more about, it's about the feeling, right? Like if you say, I am a ballerina, I think what's supposed to accompany that is the feeling of you doing that and mm -hmm. you living into that. And when you say Suzanne is a ballerina, it's, it's like, there's no feeling behind that. And with you, Nathan, my question would be, when you say that you're a piece of shit or something along those lines, does that come, it's like your mind never forgets anything, right? Does that come with the same feeling that triggered the thought in the first place? Like when you were seven years old, something happened, right? Like something happened to me the other day, I was hanging out with a friend and they were, something happened and they were kind of embarrassed. And I remember that I used to be embarrassed about stuff like that because things like that happened as a kid.
And as a kid, you're like, oh, this is really embarrassing. It makes you attach a bunch of thoughts to it, right? As an adult, those thoughts remained. But I was like, oh, I don't do that anymore. Like, I realize that's totally reasonable and whatever. Everyone's and I'm not embarrassed not about bubbles. it. It's not a big deal. Like, right, exactly. Sure. <laughs> you were there. Yeah. Everybody shits their pants at 35, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. I mean, you can't trust all parts. It's fine. Exactly. But I, I wonder if, like, if there's, like, an emotion that goes with that feeling when you have those thoughts. Like, do you actually internalize it in an emotional way? You know what I mean? Because I think that's actually where the danger is. Like, I don't know if positive thinking and affirmations and all that stuff, I don't know if it does anything. But I do know that if I focus on... If I'm in the car and I focus on everybody that cuts me off, I find that I'm in a really bad mood. But if I just let people in who look like they need to get in and just let them in and focus on the fact that I can be nice and do that, my mood is significantly better, which may just trigger when I go to the gas station, the person's not a dick to me because I'm not a dick first, right? (laughs) Like half of what I realized is right. But you know what I mean? Like half the fights I've ever gotten into, even if the other person started it, if I was in a bad mood, it was very easy for me to get somebody else to start a fight. So I could feel like I was victimized. Like, oh see, I came home and blah blah blah, just whatever bullshit. But that was me pushing a button that I could pretend is innocuous. But then, you know what I mean? So I can look like I'm being attacked. But it's like the same thing is true when I walk into a gas station. The guy's kind of rude to me. It's like generally like, and that doesn't mean that people aren't rude to me, even if I'm not like that. But a lot of times I'm already, I'm looking for somebody to be confrontational. And then they become that. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I wonder how much of it, like, when we internalize those things, do you then do behaviors that act those things out, that then allow, that then kind of encourage those kinds of things to happen in your life. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a little convoluted. No, I I definitely think, yeah, because I remember, like I read some book and it said, I think it was like the artist's way, which, okay, judge me. um, But (laughs) it does talk about like how it like, or maybe that wasn't the book, but um, you know, if you, if you have negative thoughts and are a negative, like sort of fight picker, then you're going to like that negative, like the universe brings that negativity to you. So if you're, you know, it's like, it draws like for like. So if you're putting out good stuff, then the universe will be like, here you go. Here's some good stuff. But if you're like, it's, it's going (laughs) to rear you back. I agree. I, I had two thoughts. The first one goes all the way back to when Barrett said not to sound like a millennial. And my response that I didn't say at the time was I didn't want to interrupt, but you, you would have said not to sound like a millennial, but I'm a victim because that would have been <laughs> exactly what they <laughs> But I mean, so essentially, that's what it is. Essentially, that's what it is. It's a kind of forcing victimization, right? Like if I know, let's say, like if I know you're self-conscious about being in your basement, which obviously you're not, as you stated earlier, but let's say you were, and I go, Hey man, nice basement. And that's like an innocuous thing. But then you get pissed off and you get to feel like, like that you attack me, like, fuck you, dude. And then you say something about my place. I get to feel like I was attacked because all I did was make a little joke. 
And then you came at me with this thing, and then I get to be the victim. And yeah. I feel like, again, that's what the millennials are doing. Like, they're not them, but like the general millennialism, the millennialization. There you go. The millennialization of the fucking country. <laughs> you know, like, we're looking for people to, to be judgy. You know what I mean? What is that? Zen, are you a millennial? I am, yes. I, I see. I, I wondered that as we've been <laughs> as we've been making these cracks. I'm like, wait a second. We don't. I mean, Barrett and I are fairly <laughs> ensconced in Gen X, but I don't know where Suzanne falls. Well, good. Now we have we have the feminine and the young perspective. Yes, indeed. Well, yeah, it's really. I don't know. Millennial. You know, they're getting up there in age now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, going back to like victimization. I don't know. Is there really something I can talk about? I feel like I, you know, I'm, I've got Karen written all over me. And so <laughs> I, if I talk about being a victim, listen, no one wants to hear it. And I'm fine <laughs> with that. And I accept that, that role. And that's fine. I am ha I'm, I'm perfectly happy to play my place in society. <laughs> so I don't complain <laughs> about anything. But what do you, what do you think your place is? Like, like in that way, how do, how do you feel about that? Because like, I feel like, I feel like we're taught to be victims. Like we're taught to feel like the world is judging us at all times. Even what you said, oh, it's the artist's way. And you're like, oh, don't judge me or whatever. It's like, it's a joke, but it's like, I feel like we constantly feel like People are evaluating our statements as being good or bad. And too many in the bad se se section means we're going to sit with the shitty kids at lunch. You know what I mean? So we want to have a bunch of things in the good section of getting weighed. Does that make, does that make sense? I don't necessarily, like, I certainly feel judged constantly, um, you know, because, you know, because that's what social media is all about. Social media is I put something out. A bunch of people liked it that means that you know that's that's a you know but then if a bunch of people don't like it then that's negative re you know that's negatively that's negative mm -hmm. judgment really that la lack of response but for me it's more of i think like as a kid it was like more of like being feeling less than and you know just feeling stupid and all that kind of stuff so now it's almost like sometimes i feel like I get like if like if someone like if I feel like someone's trying to make to call me stupid or imply that I'm stupid I'm like man <laughs> really that person is just like hey actually it's just it's just soy milk I was just asking if you wanted soy milk <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not you it's me is what a lot of that <laughs> conversation comes to at the end of the day um I'm just kidding. I haven't, I haven't ever yelled at anyone for soy milk. But yeah, I think it's more of that. It's like it's like what you were saying before, more of, you know, that nar I don't know if narcissist narcissism is the right word. But when you when you think everything's like an attack on you, you think it's all of that's directed on you when it really isn't. But it's like, you, you know, me in my own head thinking, yes. oh, this person, that person cut me off in track of it because they think I'm stupid don't they know i have npr on the radio i'm smart like, right right yeah. yeah i mean listen i nathan knows this about me that i'm i'm not the most organized cat in the world but i'm really trying this minimalism thing and i went through my bookshelf and i got rid of a bunch of stuff because i realized 
half the books I had was just so when people came over, they made me look smart. I was never going to fucking read them. <laughs> I was never going to do anything with them. They're books that I would like to read theoretically, like, you know, but it's never going to happen. So I got rid of all the books that were just there because it well, made me feel like I was smart because well, one day I might read them. But that's the thing is, though, that Marie Kondo, you know, the home organizer, <laughs> she says, does it spark joy? And if it just makes what? you feel guilty, then it doesn't spark joy. So <laughs> right. Sparking joy trumps um, feeling a certain way. Or yes, indeed. And I'm sorry yes. to use the word Trump. <laughs> like in the real world, but I like it came out of my mouth and I felt so dirty. I felt judged in that moment. Oh my God, this is like totally full circle. Well, what's funny is that when you talk about the social media thing, one of the things I notice is that like, I feel like the less I care about likes and things like that, the more I realize why I used to care. And I care, like, when I cared about how many likes I got is because I had to care. Because if other people's liking me, me and my stuff doesn't mean anything, then my liking their stuff or not liking it doesn't mean anything. And so, like, when I would consciously not like one of my friend's achievements, I felt like, in a way that was something they would know and it would hurt their feelings somehow because I was jealous of this thing they were doing. But once I realized, I was like, right, but I don't actually give a shit whether people like my stuff. I mean, I care, but then I don't, I care for the metrics because it means I can, because I'm, I'm partially a product, right? There's an emotional level, but there's also a, all three of us use social media. Right to get ourselves out there. So with Absolutely. me, it's not personal, but it is a uh, shit, you know, I, 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 I have to boost that and yeah. not in an anxious way, but you know. Well, just in a, in a realistic way, I know that I need X number of followers to attract this kind of promotional person. They're gonna wanna see these kinds of numbers. So it's not a value judgment. It's just a, that's the buy-in to get this level of agent or producer or manager or endorsement, the buy-in is 10,000 likes. That's what it is. So let me just start building it up, whatever, right? But like there used to be an, an emotional attachment. I mean, I can remember sitting on the phone with my friends. We were like high school kids. It was like fucking nonsense. Sitting on the phone, looking at Facebook and making fun of people and being all fucking judgmental and shit and shit. Like, like what you were talking about, Suzanne, where it's like, oh, look at this fucker working and doing this thing and touring with this band and doing that thing and that. And then instead of actually like working and practicing and writing tunes and producing tracks and doing things to get out in the world to then get those achievements, we'd sit there on the phone and make fun of people who were doing that. Yeah. And I'm like, right. But, that, but somehow we thought that our judgments had power because other people's supposed judgments against us they were mostly in our brain, did have power, right, for yeah. us. So then, but it's like that double-edged sword, right? It's like, if I play into one game, I automatically have to play into the other one. Like, if my judgments have power, then automatically their judgments have power because that's how it works. And so, like, I have to give up all of mine to have theirs have no power. But I've got to put mine down first. It's really yeah. a weird, it's a weird, like, kind of bit of fuckery you know what I mean? like, well, there's, there's like know. that um like 
I don't, I think it's a philosopher, but it's like, I think the phrase is haters going to hate Taylor Swift. Have you heard Right, her? exactly. <laughs> you just got to shake it off. Shake it <laughs> off. Haters going to hate. Um, <laughs> By the <yeah>. modern guru. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Ms. Swift. Uh, what, what did it, wait. Swift. Taylor Swift. What did I, I think I said Smith. Whoops. Okay. <laughs> I didn't notice. <laughs> um but yeah it is like kind of a haters gonna hate now is that easier said than done yeah but yeah like you said I I like what you said in the fact that if like I need to remember that if that my judgment has no power so therefore their judgment doesn't have any power yeah 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 that's a tough one for me to learn like that's the what and maybe we talked about this Nathan I feel like Nathan and I always talk about this in some way shape or form like really shitty things can happen to you in your life and that can be it and you can and everybody's born and they get the hand they're dealt with and everybody's got a shitty hand in some ways and a great hand in other ways right like if you look at your life it just depends on what day you look at it determines what the quality of it you know what I mean like everybody's life is amazing and everybody's life is mind-numbingly boring and so forth and so on right but at the end of the day many bad things that have happened may not be your fault but they're your responsibility you know what I mean like the bad shit that that happened in your life as a kid and all that stuff it wasn't your fault. You're a kid. You know what I mean? People fucked up. They did a bad job. They, some of them did the best they could and their best wasn't worth shit. And some of them were actively trying to be fucking mean. But as an adult, it's actually your responsibility to deal with that stuff. Yeah. You know, I, that's what I keep coming back to, you know. And I don't know yeah. very many people that, hold on, I, that's a judgment call. We just it's, said no judging. <laughs> 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 I don't want to, it's, it's it's difficult though to to I mean you're overcoming years and that's um you know I'm not I'm not making excuses for anyone but myself but when I look back on it it's like I what you say is true and it's active everyday work because if you don't oh, then you're slipping into the old patterns like that it's it's yeah, really difficult and I think what you're saying ties all the way back into the question you asked me 10, 15, 20 minutes ago. I don't even remember is what feeling I have when I have the negative thoughts. And I think <laughs> yeah. my answer is fear. I think my answer is that my, my fear is that what if these thoughts are real? What if everything negative I think is an actuality? And I think that's mm-hmm. why they upset me is because I can't discount them. Like, ah, oh, it's just bullshit thoughts. Like I worry that they're real and then the only response to that, the, not the only, the, the, the response to that is to act shitty or be a shitty person, which is the wrong fucking way to go about it. And then it gets into the, you know, excuses and steamrolling of, well, I had a shitty childhood, so now I'm going to act like this, as opposed to examining everything I went through, forgiving myself, forgiving, you know, like you've talked about teachers that treated you differently because you were black and you were in a white school and I had shitty parents that hated each other and, you know, the, the abduction shit. Um, like at some point you have to acknowledge and move forward. And that's difficult. So it's easier just to be shitty and, you know, and, but then your subconscious won't let you get away with it. And maybe that's where the negative thoughts come in. It's like if you act like a shitty person all day at night, you're going to beat yourself up. 
if you have a conscience. I don't know. I, I'm. <laughs> but also the the other thing to that is, and again, uh, turning back to the TED Talk I watched because I'm so smart. <laughs> Probably gonna start having a British <laughs> yeah, accent. And TED Talks. So. Yeah. Um, no, but it said it was talking about you know the other aspect I think of that is vulnerability, and so you know it's very vulnerable to just know that those things that you're thinking about yourself aren't true. And it's vulnerable to be like, no, I am going to get booked again and things are going to be good. But it's like, it's, it's almost like you kind of don't want to believe those things because you don't want to be let down. And that's like the vulnerable yeah. part. It's, you don't want to like expose yourself to that hurt of, well, you want something really, you know, it probably won't, but it's like that trust of, you know, like you're Indiana Jones in the last crusade and you're about to walk across this invisible, you know, so old too um, yeah. because have we seen that movie <laughs> but yeah I, I would go with uh, more modern i would say it's more hawkeye in endgame saying don't don't give me hope because if you get hope then you can't get let down <laughs> yes yes be yes that if, if we're going to summarize this podcast in one sentence it's do not want hope yeah yeah do not have hope not have hope <laughs> Okay, but let's examine that because I like that because um, we all have dreams. We all, are, are there dreams or expectations? Like maybe we place expectations on ourselves, but we don't. Hmm. Do we put huh. expectations out there that we can or cannot achieve? Like, oh, I have this expectation that my jokes will get me work. And then when the jokes are ignored by club owners that are just going to go buddy, buddy, like, I know this guy, I'm going to book him. Um, like it, it, we're getting messy again, cause I'm all over the place, but, uh, but can, can anyone use that as a jumping off point? The, the idea yeah. of maybe is it good to tamper down expectations so we don't get hurt or is it, is there a way to, come to terms with the idea pain is going to happen and then just leveling it off. Like, okay, going in just neutral. Like I will continue to attempt with no value placed on the outcome. I mean, Oh, you first. No, no I, I was just gonna say, I think, you know, obviously like I'm not saying be delusional, like, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Hey guys, guess, what uh you know i yeah i mean obviously like we all know like delusional people but i think it's you know like the vulnerability it's not necessarily like trusting or knowing that specific things are going to fall into play you know what i mean like does that make sense it's like you you know you can aim to play madison square garden but i think the vulnerability is just knowing that it's gonna be okay like to sound like i have um, prayer beats on you know what I mean like it like mm -hmm. that or the vulnerability like it's um you know it doesn't need to be something specific so yeah I understand what you're saying of like letting your hope get dashed but it's yeah it's yeah like I guess like that trust is what the vulnerability really comes from yeah I think it's like hope versus faith right like and somebody, these aren't my words. Somebody said this. I want to say somebody was quoting Jesus. No, this this the the queue up is very Jesus. It should be. It Jesus. is. It was, I think it was like a. 
Hitler? A Buddhist scholar. Yes, exactly. No, it was it was a Buddhist scholar. I don't maybe Pema Chodron or something. But it was about like how hope is not good because it hope is like you're saying it's expectations and it's expectations in the future. So all of a sudden you're living in the future instead of living in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas I think faith is somehow supposed to be a a blanket acceptance of whatever happens is the right thing to happen, which is somehow different than a hope. And this is like when we get to the talk about atheism and stuff like, like I, there's a part about people who have a really deep and abiding faith in a higher power that it, that whatever happens, it knows best, you know, and there's this kind of faith in accepting what is, the good and the bad of life. And that is something that I'm learning, not from a higher power perspective, because this all started, Nathan and I had a guest on who was a hardcore atheist. And so we were having these debates about faith and not faith and things like that. And it, it actually got me thinking, like how do people who don't necessarily, who've been scarred by Catholic school or whatever the fuck, you know, how do you have a sense of faith in things coming and it somehow being okay, whatever it is, and not necessarily have expectations, right? Yeah. Somebody I think jump in. the, the I, I don't know if he was Buddhist or not, Buddhist, I don't know what that is, threw an L in there for a second. I don't know if he was Buddhist. It's actually, it's actually whale culture. Whales are really religious. You know, that's, <laughs> that's why they never break up. They, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the uh the philosopher uh, bob marley who said uh, don't worry about a thing right exactly gonna be all right the, the, the precursor to t swift to the swifties right? yes. oh my god shut up <laughs> total reincarnation no i agree with that, I like that. it's um it's acceptance that life is life, and uh, you 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 live in the moment. You don't live in the future. You you. It doesn't mean you don't try because it's 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 a razor's edge. You you don't want to give up and accept, but you don't want to um, really beat down expectations and 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 you know have no goals. But you have to be all right with outcomes. I think it's a um, one of those. Uh, it's the journey, not the, de- it's the journey, not the destination. One of those ideas. Yeah. I mean, I will say this though. If we want to talk about some professional shit for just a minute here, we'll turn mm-hmm. this into like a professional artist masterclass, right? I do think that like, if we talk about numbers as metrics, not as numbers as, well, numbers as a metrics in a professional value system, but not numbers in a met- as metrics in a personal and emotional value system, right? Like, right? Like at the end of the day, if say there's a comedy club or a music venue, right? And the people that play there have to be able to put 500 people in a room. And in general, what they've seen from people who can put 500 people in a room is that they have 10,000 followers on Instagram, X number of followers on Facebook, X number of spins on Spotify, 
and X number of, of traffic things to their website or whatever, all these metrics that you can see it by. And if that's the number that- I am going to people... jump down your throat at the end of this. Just just fair yes. warning. I'm already <laughs> getting back at you so hard. But, but like, if those are the metrics, then that's just what the buy-in is. You know what I mean? Like, I understand, like, like when we did the California tour, that everything changed because everybody started looking on our Instagram and seeing a, a tour of California and two and a half weeks and all this other stuff. And it was a buy-in into a, a certain way of being treated by people. All of a sudden, the algorithm shifted. People like the people are interested because they're like, oh, you guys are touring not just regionally, but nationally. And it said something about us that I didn't even understand, but I noticed it when I would go to my Instagram and it would look a certain way. And then go to people who I'd admire and it would look very similar. And I was like, oh, this is just the buy-in to be taken seriously by a certain group of people. And I'm not saying whether they're wrong or right, but they're that wrong. is, but, I, I mean, they, <laughs> they might be wrong, but that is the buy-in. Right. And, that but, in okay. certain cases, it is the buy in. You know what I mean? It is. So what do you do with that? Can it last? You know? How long will that last? Because I could give you example after example. Um, I could use names, but I'm not going to. The the guy that ended up on television because he had Twitter followers and bombed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rub it from the Internet. Absolutely. The headliner I bumped into at a comedy festival that got the headlining spot because had 20,000 followers. And before the show said right in front of me, to I've never done 20 minutes before. I'm so scared. This is my first time doing 20 minutes. Like you're a fucking headliner. So say you have to have $10,000 to put asses in seats, but I've seen it over and over again where sure people show up, but then they leave going, well, that kind of sucked. And the, right. the and, and this is just me and, and get me fired up and angry it should be about going <laughs> home happy. You can tell, I, can, yeah. I can hear you breathing through your nose. <laughs> it's uh, not heavy. <laughs> there are two kinds of, uh, this is an oversimplification, but there are two kinds of comedy clubs that I've come across in, in my career. And one is the kind that panders to as seen on television. You have to come see the celebrity and that's all they care about. And it's hit and miss. And, and if they aren't big, well-funded clubs, they go under. And then there are types like, and I'm going to say this example, the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where Roger and his crew have been there for over 20 years, making the destination the, the draw, which is you come here, you trust me, you will have a good time. So he knows that the people will show up or the people know that if they go there, even if they've never heard of the comic, they will go home happy. And they do. And Roger knows that. And he books accordingly, whereas he's not chasing the, the hot at the moment, the Twitter followers of the moment that might have the best seven minutes you've ever seen on television, but they cannot stand on stage for 45 minutes or an hour. And so, yeah, it's, it's a matter of do you chase the, 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 the quick fame or do you create a destination that people trust, whether it be a music venue or a theater with performances, and we're going to hire the best, you trust us. And unfortunately, what you are saying is correct. It is mostly the, hey, we don't want to do any work. Let's just get the person that has the followers, whether they're good or bad, and not build up trust in our venue or location. And that frustrates me. But I think, I mean, I agree with you because I, I used to work for a guy 
who will remain nameless, but his initials are Jason Rosen. And hashtag Jason Rosen. No, but like he and I would get into this argument because like, we would be playing clubs in the city, and and we'd be playing these clubs, and there wouldn't be a whole lot of people. And he goes, well, "It's the club's job to bring people here, and it's our job to keep them there." Now, to a degree, he was right. We were kind of like a bar band, right? We we're a bar band and we play, we were playing three, four, five nights a week. The chances of us, like, you know, people could see us at any like anytime they wanted to because we saturated the market at just different clubs. So there was no rush to come see us because you could always come see us. And so his point was it's not our job to bring people there, it's our job to keep people there, right? Now, to a degree, I agree with him. But I also think that if you, if for me, like when you talk about trust, the way that you trust a stranger to be popular in your nightclub is by checking to see how many followers they have. Do you know what I mean? Fair enough. Like that's, I'm not that's saying that it's not, there's no onus on us. I, I, right. like I, I, think, I, mean, I, know, I think, try and, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's all on us. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, I, I think that, like, if this is part of that whole, like, judgmental thing that goes along with the entitlement thing for me is feeling like just because, like, there are times when I was younger and I was playing and clubs wouldn't book me. And there was a, a, a place in New Brunswick. There was a group of people who handled a bunch of jazz events. And they would always want me to jump through these fucking hoops to get gigs with them. And I was like, what is fucking wrong with you people? Like, I've, I've, I've lived in this town for ages. Everybody knows me. And then there'd be the whole, and I played with so-and-so and so-and-so, and I've done, and I've all this, like, self-congratulatory shit. And they wouldn't, it was always like a nightmare to get a gig, right? But... Now I listen back to the recordings that I was making back then. I'm like, oh, man, they were, you know, they might have been right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, it might have been me. And part of it is like, is for me, like, I don't know that I should expect anybody to like or dislike or find my music good or bad. Like, I just, what it is, is like, I have to find there's 330 million people in this country and 7 billion people on this planet. If I could just find 10,000 of those motherfuckers who think I'm the shit, that's, that's enough. What, that's what Stuart Lee said. <laughs> yeah, that's what Stuart Lee says. You just have to get 5,000 people to pay you $50 a year, and that's it. You don't right, need to money. Exactly. Right, and like, Barrett and I, you know. we refuse to set up a, what's it called, a Patreon? We <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah. Because I feel I could never, I just, I don't have it in me to like, if you like watching us, send us money. But you know, but I mean, but maybe, the product though. But, I mean, we're going to hoard product at the end of this, so. But I mean, but are we the, are we like the people who made the horseshoes cursing the people who make the wheel? You know what I mean? Like, because be, like, I, I fully wait, agree that hold we Hold on, there's a wheel with horseshoes on it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> but you know what I mean like like 
I don't know. Like I watch, I watch this, uh, I watch this, one of those sales ads. It was like a pretend. The Susie Orman's uh, retirement guide because it's pretty good. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Suzanne's like diverse. Susie. NPR, TED Talks, Susie. and Susie Orman. I love Susie Orman. I don't care. But, like you know, you ever see these things that like come across like a master class, but it really isn't a master class. It's a sales advertisement for this other oh, thing. Oh yeah, right? well yeah, that is what Susie right. Orman's class is all about. It's to get right. you to buy her like books right. or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And so I was watching one on live streams, and the guy's talking about how these busting the myths of like using a live stream to make money. And then he has all these people who teach this class on how to make your live stream profitable. And these are all like musicians and comedians and people like that who sit in their room and they live stream themselves being funny or playing music, doing whatever, and they make real fucking money from it. And I started thinking, much like Nathan, I was like, oh, this is what the fuck? Like, come on. This is nonsense. You know what I mean? I don't want to go stand on a fucking stage and turn my amp up loud. I'm not using these blah, whatever. You know what I mean? But then I started thinking, no, maybe this is just what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, maybe this is the new normal. That there's going to be socially distant clubs with, with instead of, like, fucking 100 seats, there's going to be 50. So now the 40 people look like the place is full. You know, instead of half empty, yeah. it looks full now. And maybe it's going to be a mixture of YouTube and live stream shows and stre live streaming your concerts, your actual gigs, so that people who aren't there can go put $5 in your Patreon and watch you play from some... Like, maybe that's just going to be what it is, and we either need to accept that or find a different game to play. You know Are what I mean? telling me I got microchipped for nothing the other day? <laughs> but at least your dog is going to be able to find you now so that's good He's, he was looking all over for you before exactly. now he knows where you I thought Bill exactly. Gates would find me now yeah. he can I was told <laughs> yeah well, maybe it is the future, and, and I don't disagree, but hopefully I'm not too old and set in my fucking old man ways. But all right, I think we're bumping up against an hour. I don't know if we've That's learned anything, so. if finalized anything, or if we just spent more time uh, make things more confusing, but I ahead. like that there's no pressure to like wrap things up with like a Jerry Springer thought of the day at the end. It's just like, well, it's been an hour. We're fucking done. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this I love hard. that format. <laughs> we, we, we like I said with last week, last week it was like, fuck, I don't know if we covered anything, but let's talk about this next week. And then I don't remember what we said. So we just go off. On, it's, it's no, nothing's ever. That's the thing is it's ongoing. It's, it's, it's. Fluid. Um, I do want to talk yeah. about your book. I'm going to, that's what I was going to say. Instead of a Patreon, I'll start with Suzanne, uh, co-host of the Love Gurus. Suzanne, I didn't get, that's, that's a, the downside to this being so casual. Do you have a website you could promote right now? And I'll throw it no, up. No, but if you just follow um, the Love Gurus podcast, we have our own live stream channel. <laughs> we have our own live stream channel that we do our podcast on, um, on YouTube. And you can find us on TikTok and Instagram. So... Do you, um, it's you a podcast where we answer dating questions from the internet, and a lot of people on the internet is crazy. So, 
So. <laughs> you have a way to earn money from this? Is there a way people can support you financially? No, I mean, that. like, we're in the same, I think we're in the same boat. It's like, let's, you know, like we, I think we're toying around the idea of coming up with an OnlyFans because I guess you don't have to take your clothes off for all of it. But if Jake gets his nips out, I'm nobody wants. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, listen, I'm owed fifty percent. So. People would pay <laughs> Jake Jake's nips can get it. People yeah. would pay Jake to put a bag over his fucking ugly Steve Buscemi head. <laughs> um, well, Barrett has a website, antargoodwin.com, also the musical director for the Katie Henry Band, katiehenrymusic.com. Um, so you can check out both of those. Barrett, do you have a, I know you don't have a Patreon, but is there a, you don't have your own product, right, as, as of, that I know of. No, but I, but I will soon. Okay. I will soon. Oh, suspense. I know. Last week it was about talking about meditation. This week it's about what is Barrett going to put out to the internet? Exactly. It'll be music. Or (laughs) OnlyFans Barrett. Exactly. I'll show my nips. (laughs) I'll keep 100%. (laughs) More nips. With me, uh, to get me money, you can... uh, stream any of my shit i have albums all over spotify apple music google i think they're i don't know four on one i have six overall uh the book is out it came out tuesday we are 100 and uh this is kind of neat i woke up to a text this morning that said oh here i'll just read it i'll I'll find the text yeah so i don't have to quote it go down said here's something there there it is Things I didn't exactly plan on. Smashing all the way to chapter 12. I was going to stop at three for the night, but kept going. And then when I posted that on Facebook, someone else said, yeah, I was home yesterday and read all the way to chapter 21. So I may have a page turner on my hands. People are enjoying it. Uh, Reviews haven't come out yet because it's only been out for, wait, today's Wednesday. It's only been out one day. We're recording on Wednesday the 24th. What's the title of it? I'm going to throw up a graphic. Not that you're going to watch this because you're Oh, okay. We are 100, and uh, it's available on Amazon on Kindle and paperback. And nice. yeah, not 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 a bestseller after two days, but you know, people that have read it are liking it, and that's all I can ask for. So, so there you go. Thanks for tuning in and that watch, Suzanne. Thanks for thank joining. you so much for having me. Yeah, nice to nice to zoomy meet you. Nice to zoomy meet you. <laughs> <laughs> I zoomy sure meet you. And we will be here at some point next week. Uh, since we don't have a date to, to post on, it'll, it'll be fluid, just like life. All right. Yeah, see ya.